God uses different individuals and situations to reach people with the gospel. God works through his humble and faithful servants to witness to others, sharing the biblical message of salvation in Christ. In the book of Acts, the apostles performed miracles, but those miracles had a unique and important purpose. Welcome to the Wisdom Journey. Stephen's lesson is called the meaning behind miracles. Have you ever thought about the fact that the world today offers all kinds of substitutes for God's work, God's plan of blessing us? Uh, The local bar becomes a substitute for genuine fellowship experienced in the church family. Meditation, positive thinking, attempt to replace the peace of God found only through faith in Christ. The world's answer to guilt isn't the love of God through Christ, but through self-love. People are told to just accept themselves uh, the way they are. Even, Even the church at large today offers shallow substitutes, feel good, self-help, positive uh, reinforcement kinds of messages are substituted for the preaching of the Bible. God-centered worship is replaced with man-centered needs and opinions. Business models have replaced uh, biblical models for shepherding the church. Uh, I know church leaders who can quote business principles faster than they will quote the apostles. Well, the book of Acts demonstrates very vividly that God's work in and through the church is just that. It's God's work, not ours. The book of Acts isn't really the Acts of the Apostles. It's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles and the early church. Our best work is simply surrendering to God's work through us. Well, here in the closing verses of Acts chapter 9, the apostle Peter reappears. He's been absent for several chapters, but he's got an important role now in the early church during this transition period, and he's on stage, so to speak, for the next few chapters. In chapter 5, we're told that many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles, and this is proving their authenticity during this unique transitional period of time. The rapid growth and expansion of the early church was due to the apostolic preaching of the gospel. But in in these early days, the miracles performed by the apostles were used by God to validate their message. And I want to pause long enough in our wisdom journey through the book of Acts to, to say once again that many people are still confused about this today. We need to understand that the miracles we see in the early church are associated with the apostles and their work, God's work through them. These signs and wonders had the important, but get this now, temporary purpose of proving the apostles were messengers from God. Uh, Likewise, the miracles of Jesus, by the way, were performed to prove that he was the Son of God. They validated his claims, we're told in Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. Well, with the establishment of the church and the beginning of a new era, 
We call it a new dispensation in God's plan. It was necessary for the apostles to be proven, to be authenticated as God's true servants, bearing his true message of salvation in Christ. And this is what the miraculous works accomplished. This was crucial in this period because the divinely inspired scriptures weren't even written yet. Over in the book of Hebrews in chapter 2, we're told this in verses 3 and 4. It, that is the message of salvation, was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested, proven to us by those who heard, the apostles, by signs and wonders and various miracles. You might notice this is all described in the past tense. These miracles were performed by those, that apostolic community, who literally heard the teaching of the Lord. And now that the Bible, the Word of God, is completed, the proof of a true messenger is no longer a miracle, but that person's faithful adherence to the Word of God. And by the way, to any healer or miracle worker who claims today to have the power of an apostle, well, I say, let's just, let's just go over there and meet at the funeral home and let me watch you raise somebody from the dead. Let, let's stop holding miracle meetings where you heal you know, high blood pressure or you cast out the demon of arthritis. Let's just get down to the apostolic validation and watch you empty out a few coffins like the apostles did. Well, that was past tense. That day is gone. Their ministry has been proven. By the way, the Apostle Paul didn't tell Pastor Timothy to perform a miracle, but to preach the word, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Now, back to this transitional period of time when signs from God through the apostles were used to verify this brand new gospel message in a brand new church. Here in Acts chapter 9, we have two of those cases brought before Peter. And both of these cases involve what we might call lost causes that only God's miraculous power could ever heal or redeem. We read here in verse 32 that Peter came down to the saints who lived in Lydda. Now, Lydda was a village northwest of Jerusalem. And while in this village, Peter encounters a man who is described here in verse 33 as bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. Now, we know nothing more about this man. In fact, we don't even know if he's a believer. We're simply told here in verse 34 that Peter says to this man, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. The Bible records immediately he rose. Rising and then making up his bed was the evidence of this divine healing. And and the impact of this miracle is, is incredible. It's given to us here in verse 35. All the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. So Peter follows this up with preaching the gospel of Christ, and that with this miracle, well, the entire city, the village, and surrounding area comes to faith in Christ. When I hear in verse 36, the scene shifts to Joppa. That's the Mediterranean seaport 10 miles west of Lydda. You might remember a runaway prophet named Jonah who'd been down here centuries earlier thinking he could outrun God. 
Well, here in Joppa lives a follower of Jesus named Tabitha. This is her Aramaic name. In Greek, the name is Dorcas. She's described here as a gracious and godly believer, full of good works and acts of charity. Well, during the time that Peter is in Lydda, Tabitha dies. And instead of a burial soon after death, which was the usual practice, Tabitha's body is laid in an upper room. Verse 37 tells us, while two men from the church go to find Peter. Now get this. So far in the book of Acts, we have no record of an apostle raising somebody from the dead. But that's clearly what the disciples in Joppa have in mind. Well, Peter arrives He's taken to this upper room where he finds a group of widows weeping and displaying garments that Tabitha had made uh, for them. Verse 40 tells us that Peter put them all outside and then knelt down and prayed. It's likely that Peter is praying here to discern the Lord's will in this situation. And he evidently finds some sort of guidance from the Lord because he he gets up from praying and, and says, Tabitha, Arise. By the way, those are nearly identical words Jesus said to the little girl he raised from the dead back in Mark chapter 5. Verse 40 continues Tabitha opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Well, Peter then presents the woman alive to the saints and widows, that is, to the church. Now, keep in mind, Peter, Peter doesn't raise everybody from the dead here in the village, just Tabitha. The reason for raising Tabitha from the dead isn't because people were sad to lose her. Beloved, Jesus is displaying his power through Peter. This is just a little taste of the coming kingdom of the Messiah, the power of King Jesus, the raising of Tabitha, by the way, has the same result here as the earlier healing of the paralyzed man in Lydda. Verse 42 tells us, And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. By the way, the raising of Tabitha from the dead is the last recorded miracle to come from the hand of the apostle Peter. You see, his role is about to change and turn in a a new direction, one that has a great significance to us even today. And it begins with this little note in verse 43 that tells us Peter stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Now, because of their contact with dead animals, tanners, the profession of tanners, like Simon here, were ceremonially unclean. They were avoided by most Jewish people. Uh, But what's happening here is Peter is being prepared for the next great advancement in God's program in this transitional period. He's going to prepare Peter to take the gospel to unclean Gentiles. And it's not going to come through overwhelming people with miracles. It's going to come through preaching the gospel to the nations. And by the way, to this day— That's your calling and mine. We're not being asked to go, you know, raise people from the dead, miraculously heal the paralyzed, but to teach the completed scriptures which authenticate us as being messengers from God. We're to make disciples of the nations as we proclaim the inspired, inerrant word of God in the name of King Jesus. 
our Messiah and Lord. Let's do that in whatever way God makes available to us today. Well, until we set sail again in our wisdom journey, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey and a lesson called The Meaning Behind Miracles. This teaching series through the Bible is called The Wisdom Journey. I encourage you to follow along each weekday. When you do, God will use the power of His Word to help you walk wisely through life. It's only when you conform your life to the teaching of God's Word that you find true joy, happiness, and fulfillment. So please join us next time as we continue traveling along the wisdom journey.